Welcome to the Art of Teaching podcast. I'm Matthew Green, and I'm so grateful that you joined me today. Dr. Heather Michelle is an experienced educator and lecturer from the University of San Diego. Her research areas include supporting recent teaching graduates, teacher professional development, and teacher-driven observation. It was fascinating to talk to her about the similarities and differences between our two countries. We covered a lot of ground in this interview, including her advice for people wanting to pursue a career in education, common misconceptions about teaching, and the importance of developing resilience. I hope that you get as much out of our discussion as I did. Please enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time. Where are you joining us from? San Diego, California. Beautiful San Diego. What What's it like over there this time of year? Oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. It stays light until like 8 o'clock at night. Um, and it's typically anywhere between 70 to um, 60 to 70 degrees. I don't know what that is Celsius, but very nice warm. For the Australian audience, I don't know what that is in Celsius either. Um, <laughs> I think it's nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm so grateful that you'd take the time to join us today. It's been uh, wonderful to, to follow your work from afar. It's really nice to to have a chat. So a couple of rapid fire questions to get us started. What can sure. you see outside of your nearest window? Um, my nearest window, I can see um, my husband's garden. He has a garden tower. He's really into growing organic vegetables, lettuce, um, oranges, tangerines, apples, pears. Um, that's that's Sounds delicious. Uh, yeah. For when uh, international borders reopen, what is your coffee order? Oh, coffee order? Um, decaf, decaf latte with almond milk. Fantastic. Can I uh, ask why decaf? Um, because I love the ritual of coffee. I grew up in Washington State, and Washington State is known for, uh, well, Starbucks started in Washington State, so um, wow. in Seattle, Washington. And um, I just was raised with that ritual of drinking something hot. Um, but coffee makes me really hyper and a little bit crazy. So I have to go decaf, even though I love having a hot, warm beverage in the morning. Uh, we, uh, we've just had a uh, Starbucks open in our local uh, shopping center. Um, so okay. we're not quite sure what to do with it. So we'll see if it takes off in Australia. Yeah, that's, we'll have to see about that. I know. Well, I, I heard that Australia is known for their coffee too, that you... <laughs> We definitely are. Like, there's a really yeah. wonderful coffee culture. I mean, Sydney um, uh, is really well known uh, for for great food and great um, uh, uh, the great lifestyle. Um, but Melbourne, especially, which is about an hour's flight from Sydney, uh, is okay. the coffee centre and a little bit of a rivalry uh, between uh, Sydney and Melbourne. Oh, but, I see. Um, okay. Yeah, it's worth checking out both. But what uh, what item is still on your bucket list that you are yet to do? Oh, um, when I think about that, I definitely think about traveling. I want to take my family to Europe. Um, I'd love to come to Australia, New Zealand, um, Greece. My husband and I had planned to do a honeymoon in Greece, and that never happened, um, mainly because of kids, but traveling anywhere in the world, traveling, but but taking my kids. I want my kids to experience it too. Fantastic. What is it about traveling that, um, that you enjoy so much? Uh, you learn so much about yourself and what your limits are and what your boundaries are. I was a, I myself was a foreign exchange student in high school. I spent a year in, um, in Argentina when I was 16 years old and, um, that experience changed my life. And, um, I think that when you experience other cultures, you experience other perspectives and, um, you just really learn and grow as a person and you kind of become less decentralized, which is, I think, a huge problem for people in the United States. They're, you know, the U.S. kind of tends to be very focused on themselves. Um, and travel is a way to challenge yourself, get outside your, your comfort zone and really um, think about things in a different way. Amazing. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I was born over in the U.K. and I remember the first time I... We first arrived in Australia and stood in front of the Opera House steps and it is as uh, beautiful and as breathtaking as you can imagine. And even every time I go back um, 
to the opera house sometimes in the holidays i'll go for a walk on my own in the city and it's it, it just being somewhere else and seeing a different yeah. part of the world just changes your perspective i know um our two little girls are the first um aussie born uh, people in our family and so we're a um, very much a multicultural family and that was one of the oh, things nice. that my um, parents really instilled into me was travel and getting out of your bubble and seeing how people work and realizing that no matter how uh, different people may seem we're essentially the same deep down it's yeah, it really does change your change your life so hopefully when uh, you get to come to Sydney or get to travel to the states we can uh, uh, show you some of the sites oh I would love that I would love that yeah, what uh, what's the the best advice you have ever received? Um, you know, I was thinking about this, and um, I have a twin sister, and we talk probably at least once a day. Um, and most of the advice in my life I receive from her. We talk a lot. Um, and one of the things that she told me that I kind of operate by now is this, um, and I posted on Instagram about it. But it's people first, process second, product third. So relationships are always first, um, and I've always used that in any of my interactions, you know, now in teacher leadership, um, and just in, in, in how I interact with my relationships is how can we, how can I develop that more? Yeah, well, really important. I would imagine that served you really well being a teacher um, because you'd oh, yeah. see, you'd see yeah. the processes and products and, and just to be reminded to keep kids and to keep, People relationships first. Relationships trump everything. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really really important. Great advice. Great advice from yeah. yeah. Um, what's one of your favorite books? And this could be about education or not. Or, or what's a book that's really had an impact in your life? Um, well, it's been a while since I've read something for pleasure. Um, I was trying to think of what my the last book I read that I can remember that I've really enjoyed, and I think it's The Glass Castle. Okay. Um, by Jeanette Walls. Um, but currently I'm reading a book called Stories That Stick by Kendra Hall. Um, I'm really interested in how to kind of merge, um, the more narrative format with the research format, because I think that the narrative format, um, kind of pulls at people's hearts, heartstrings and the emotional component and your writing can be more powerful if you implement those kind of components in, yeah. Yeah. um, and so that's what I'm currently reading. How can I develop my, um, my stories and, um, and find ways to use them to motivate people? Amazing. I, I think we all connect so well with story. Um, yes. Yeah. At the core of who we are, we are storytellers. And it, I think I've always found that so fascinating how, like I remember vividly sitting on the floor in front of my grandfather and he would tell me stories about the, Second World War and the things he did, and I just remember kind of being transported in my mind back to that time. It's amazing how we connect and how we relate to stories. But um, I think um, uh, have you read the the Tipping Point by I think it's by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh yeah, yeah, and really yeah. interesting. And it's talking about how these ideas spread, and it seems like there's some definitely some parallels between that and what you discussed. And I, that's something that I go back to quite regularly because I wonder how. Yeah. How do these great ideas spread throughout uh, um, throughout history? And so, yeah, we're definitely worth, um, I think, going back and checking that. It's a really wonderful story, really wonderful book. And if you could have a dinner party with anybody, who would be there? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, I've heard other people answer this question, and um, it's usually, like, you know, like historical figures or some lofty researcher but I think um I think my family you know I want my family to be at the table um I'm really interested in Richard Ingersoll's work and teacher attrition um he's someone that's right written ex you know extensively in the United States um Albert Bandura who, he was the one that yep. first developed efficacy and and um what we know about efficacy and the theory around self-efficacy instructional efficacy um so I'd love to have him there um, but just how would they interact with my kids? I think it's funny to think about. And, um, you know, I just, um, you know, whatever I do, I want my family to be along for the ride for that part sure. too. So 
Fantastic. I wanted to uh, just read a quote to you and get your thoughts because uh, it, it, um, my understanding is that it's a quote that is significant to you. Um, it's uh, education does not change the world. Education changes people and people change the world. And that's by Paolo Freire. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. So why is this quote important to you um, and how do you interpret it? Um, this quote resonates with me, I think, um, in a couple different ways. I think like teaching and being a teacher, um, I have personal experience with how education has changed my life. So, yeah. um, when you're a teacher, um, unlike other professions, you bring with you so much personal experience, 12 years of your own educational experience with you. Um, and thinking about who I was in the classroom, I was, um, to be honest, a pretty sad kid. Um, learning and, and being at school was really hard for me. I struggled a lot. Um, I was always placed in, you know, remedial reading groups and um, I was behind in my math. And um, I was supposed to repeat one of my grades, the third grade. My sister was gonna go on without me and I was supposed to repeat the grade. Um, and even though I was kind of troubled, I had these, I mean, I can pinpoint some amazing teachers that stood out to me in, in my life and they saw something in me that I didn't see and they continually tried to showcase it and they showed up for me. And, um, you know, without them, I don't think I would be where I am today. So I think that quote resonates with me first for personal experience. Mm -hmm. um, and then second, I think the reason why I got into education really was to join a social movement. Like in my young 22 year old mind you know idealistic as we are at that age i was um you know thinking of something to dedicate my life to something that i knew would help address the societal issues that i saw and i and myself had experienced on some level um and education to me is that is that pathway like education is what does change the world and we don't do it by um huge impacts we do it by people one student at a time and um that's what makes it so powerful and wow. and not only that it's such a special um i don't know thinking back to that decision like what am i going to do with my life how do i want to make make the biggest impact um you know teaching is something that you see every day you can see your impact every day you know like i was thinking oh i could be a lawyer but changing laws takes time, you know, impact, yeah. making a student child a smile takes two seconds, like, yeah. you know, impacting their, their life or, um, their mood or, wow. you know, that's something that can, that you can feel yeah. all the time. It's really interesting to hear you talk about your sort of early experiences in school and, and then to go from uh, that, that particularly challenging time to be lecturing at university and to have completed your, yeah. your doctor in education. I think, what was what was the thing that you found particularly uh, challenging? I mean, um, in your early schooling, was it a? Uh, do you think it was a, a, a cultural thing surrounding a particular school, or do you think it was the way that the knowledge and information was presented? Was it the the view of your teacher, or what was? Or was it a combination of of, of all of the above? Um. So I grew up in a community that was. Um, my first schooling experience, I grew up in a community that was really affluent. Um, and we were not, we were not <laughs> that. Um, yeah. My mom was a single mom. Um, we were pretty poor and we rented out the, the um, we rented out a house um, that just happened to be in this affluent neighborhood. Um, wow. And mm. we rented out the rooms in this house. Um, so it was a big house and it was a nice house, but we only really occupied maybe one third of it. And then my mom would rent out the rooms. Um, and so this, the kids that I was going to school with um, had a lot of money and, and we just didn't have that. And it was a pretty um, white community. And so I think my sister and I, um, we were twins. So that made us kind of novel and kind of stand out, but then we were also brown. And so that kind of made us stand out. And then we were really poor. Um, and so we were pretty much, you know, um, we got yeah, teased right. a lot. We got bullied and teased a lot. Um, and my sister had a different approach kind of to dealing with that 
but I think me, I, I internalized a lot of it. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, and so that's where it stemmed from. And then we actually changed schools. Um, my third grade year when I was supposed to re repeat, we changed schools um, to not, I mean, my mom just moved. It wasn't like she did it on purpose, but um, we changed schools and we went to um, kind of like the other side of the track school or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it was more in line with who we were. And um, I wow. started to do, to do better in school. And I, cause I, we didn't see, we didn't stand out as much. And then I continued to have great teachers. My grandma stepped in and tutored us for, wow. for one summer. Um, yeah. Thank you for uh, <laughs> look. Thank, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that got uh, very personal very quickly. Um, I do. I really do appreciate you that you saying that, and I think it's it's just a reminder that our children um, come to school with a variety of different types of things vying for their attention. Uh, whether that be the neighbourhood that they're from, whether it would be the an issue that they've had with their mum or their dad, or an argument with their sibling, or their language background, or their socioeconomic status, and I think it's a really wonderful reminder that um, uh, just to check in with your kids and see how they're going, and realise that 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 what they bring is wonderful and diverse, but also really, really complicated. So um, thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure that there's somebody oh, yeah. listening that goes, ah, that's right, I need to check in with my class today or I need to... Check in with them, yeah. Yeah, really important. And um, you talk in your bio um, about the native land that you reside on. And I just wondered why um, that is something which is so important to you. And also, so I'm talking about your Instagram bio here. Yeah. Um, why that's something that you reference. And can you maybe spend a few minutes unpacking that? You know what's interesting about that? Um, does that kind of happen on accident? Like, yeah. obviously, um, and my understanding is that Australia kind of deals with this a little bit too, or maybe you can tell me, but, um, you know, we have this narrative in the United States about our history and diversity and equity and, um, you know, justice, issues, social justice issues. And what we tell our kids is largely um, untrue in a lot of ways. So we had this narrative about like the Native Americans and how, you know, English, European settlers came over here, but it was really great because we had thanksgiving and um things given to you yes whether yeah i mean they basically hosted us and that's the reason why we survived and we're supposed to be here because we had this great relationship or whatever yeah um it's just not true yeah it's just not true and there's there's um you know it's 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 lies and um just for me i've always struggled with how to broach that subject especially because i taught first and second grade for so long um, you know, the same thing comes up for us in terms of the, the social justice, um, um, the civil rights movement and mm -hmm. Martin Luther King and slavery. And, um, you know, these are issues that are part of our history, but they have this kind of like in, in the United States, the narrative is like we, we dealt with that problem and we've moved on, but really we haven't because we're, we still feel the, re the repercussions of those yeah. issues today. Um, you know, we still have social and equity issues around African-Americans, marginalized communities. Um, so anyway, I, during Thanksgiving, I posted that because it is important to remember that all the land that we occupy right now did not belong to us. All the land belonged to the, the native people of the United States, yeah. indigenous communities. Um, and um, it's important to take that into consideration. Um, and even when I do presentations like before in person, um, I would call out, this is the unceded territory. <laughs> we are standing on unceded territory right now of native people. Um, and it's important to, to, to continue to, to continue to talk about that. Um, because those, those communities are still present. Um, they are, you know, severely marginalized, um, experience alcoholism, poverty, abuse. Um, um, it's really, yeah, and it's, and it's incredibly important. It really is. And not to do that in a way that is, um, is tokenistic, but to actually generally, generally yeah. Um, yes. yeah. acknowledge and realise that we are exactly the same in Australia. Like we have a really um, a complex um, and really disturbing history. Um, and um, as we mentioned before, we recorded uh, this episode. I wasn't born here. My wife wasn't born here. So we are uh, guests on a land that, 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 that is not ours. 
Um, yeah. And so I think to acknowledge that and to, and to do that in a way that is respectful uh, is the beginning of a, a very long and complicated uh, healing process. And I think it's, it's yeah. really important. And, yeah, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And keep doing it. Keep mentioning it. Keep talking. And, well, yeah. what's interesting about that, um, Matthew, is that that post – like I put that post just as a resource for teachers to use. Like a lot of, like, yeah. you know, I try to put those things out there somewhat like the way you do. And um, that post got the most interaction of any post I've ever put. Like anything that I've shared, like it, it was reposted the most um, out of anything I've shared. So I think it, it touches something that other people are thinking about and maybe not knowing how to articulate <laughs> yet or, um, I'm still yeah. thinking about that. Like there's something about that that really resonated with people because it just went, was saved and resaved so yeah. many times. Absolutely. And I, and I wonder if you uh, bring a unique perspective as well uh, from the point of being someone who, as you mentioned before, felt at least in school, like you yeah. were a bit of an outsider or you were, um, or in many ways you, you didn't belong. And so I think it's, um, yeah, I, th I think it's really wonderful. So thank you for, thank you for doing that. Um, look, um, Heather, like I, your area of uh, interest and research is is vast, and it's really wonderful to get to um, have a look through some of the things that you've written and to and to check out your blog and so on and so forth. And um, but there's a particular focus which is supporting our early career teachers. Uh, mm -hmm. Why is that so important to you, and why have you dedicated so much of your your time and your life to that? Um. I think, again, um, it's really important to me from my own personal experience. I got into teaching through an alternative pathway. Um, so because there's such a need in the United States for teachers, um, you can do um, internships. You can um, – there's just kind of a variety of different pathways. You don't have to go through a teacher education program. And so – I did something called Teach for America. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Okay. I, I have heard of it. I, I don't really know what it is, to be completely honest. Okay, so Teach for America um, recruits from mainly Ivy League schools, even though I, w I didn't really match that profile, but they recruit from Ivy League schools, and they recruit um, people that will later on be making pretty huge um, policy decisions in the United States. Um, some, you know, people that major in political science, economics, um, government fields, and they, they recruit um, them to be placed in the classroom for at least two years with the idea that when they get to those policy um, making professions, they will have that experience, that previous experience in the classroom, and they can begin to make change for education in the United States. That's kind of one of their part of their mission. Um, an additional part is to close the achievement gap for underrepresented and minor, minority communities. Um, and they place you in um, communities in the United States that um, are, you know, are underperforming, don't always have resources. Um, um, so anyway, I applied for that um, program and I was placed in Houston, Texas and taught for two years. And I didn't have any teacher education experience. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. All I knew is that I wanted to impact kids. Um, and that experience, again, changed my life. And I became, I was like, this is where I want to be forever. Wow. Um, and so when I think about that, I've always kind of gravitated and been open to mentorship and like helping and coaching new teachers through my own teaching career. And then I started, the more I, you know, as I got my doctorate, I started learning more about it. And I learned about the attrition rate, um, you know, 40 to 50% of new teachers leave the profession before they reach their fifth year. And I know it's even more in Australia. And um, I was, I was like, wow, that's, you know, we talk about populations at risk, like teachers are a population at risk. Like they, um, yeah. they, you know, and what to me is what's so sad is people invest money, time, their energy, their skills into becoming a teacher, um, their dreams, aspirations. Like it's not something that you, you don't go into teaching lightly, you know, and then to have yeah. all of that disillusionment and disappointment and walk away from something that you once felt was for you. I think um, not only is it sad, but it also has a huge impact on our educational system. So. Yeah. Have, have you um, ever felt that in your time uh, in the classroom? Have you ever oh. felt like you were uh, yeah. disillusioned or, yeah? 
Of course. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've totally felt that. Yeah. Um, I think we, I think we all have. And, and what were, what, what did you, what do you think some of the, those biggest challenges are for teachers? I mean, I know in Australia, it's, it's, there's incredibly complex uh, curriculum, um, uh, these expectations around the roles of teachers. I know, especially for us, um, switching and going online has been particularly challenging, especially in disadvantaged communities. I'd imagine that these are, yes. are very similar challenges um, over in the States. But what do you think some of the issues are that make it particularly challenging for new teachers over where you are? Um, I think some of the things that you've already mentioned, um, how many roles and expectations are put on teachers is really hard. I think, um, I think um, what sometimes happens with new teachers or what I'm kind of, kind of have been reflecting on recently is this idea that, um, like I said, teaching profession is unique because people come in with their own personal idea and their own personal experiences with, with what happens in K-12 education. Everybody has an idea of that because they went through the process themselves. Um, and so people, teachers come in, new teachers come in with some preconceptions about the way it's going to be and how it's going to happen yeah. and, you know, what their classroom is going to look like and what the students are going to be like. And I think what happens, especially during that first year is, um, you know, there's like a reality, there's a, dis there's a reality check of this is, this is actually the way it is. It's, yeah. it's hard. Um, and it's, um, there are parts of the way you remember it, but a lot of it is, um, it's different coming at it from the perspective of a teacher and being responsible for educating a group of 20 to 30 kids. Um, so I think it's crazy when you think about it, like it is crazy. It's just, it's just crazy. Like to think that you, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I fundamentally agree with what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, there's been times I'm like, who designed this system? Like 30 yeah. kids? Like, I'm supposed to be responsible for 30 kids? Whose idea was this? Yeah. Like, um, so, so I think that's it. Um, I think setting boundaries is huge. Um, you know, I think self care is like this huge buzzword that um, was not, people were not talking about self care when I was teaching the self-care was like look no we're not doing self-care you're like you show up you do your job it's hard for those first couple of years it gets easier and then you can start spending time on yourself like you're in it for 12 hours a day that first year of teaching um which of course never happens I mean you never I get to the end of that hard period of, <laughs> never do. and you never start looking yeah it's like you don't you can't wait to have permission to look after yourself because it's just not yeah um yeah, i think exactly. um if you don't if you don't put those things in place it just will not happen and i, and I think um the system especially in australia is, is particularly interesting and it is incredibly complex i mean we have uh, we don't have as many states and territories as you do but i would imagine that there would be uh, different expectations and different um, educational districts and diff uh, is there a, a, a different interpretation of national curriculum uh, within each state over where you are or can a teacher just travel from state to state teach or is there an accreditation issue or, or, or what does that look like in the state? Um, some some um, states have um, hmm. reciprocity. is that the word I'm looking for? I think so. Um, like I, I was credentialed in Houston, Texas and then um, I did move to California and it took me a year to get um, credited in California, but I didn't have to do any extra coursework. I didn't have to do anything. It was mainly kind of a paperwork issue. Yeah. Um, so there's some states that will honor other states, um, teacher credentials. Yeah. Um, and we do have the common core, which was adopted, I think I want to say by 48 states. So there's still a couple states that did not adopt them which one of which was Texas. <laughs> um, Sorry, what's the Common Core for those people that are not familiar with it? Common Core um, is, a, is a set of national standards um, that were developed 10 years ago um, because kind of what you, kind of what you alluded to, um, because it, every, every state was addressing the expectations for each grade level differently. And so um, in 2010, um, there was this huge initiative um, I'm trying to remember back how it happened, but there was this huge initiative around to, around developing common standards across the United States so that if you grew up in Oregon and then you moved to California, you weren't 
totally, you weren't suddenly two years behind in grade level because they're teaching two different curriculum and expectations. So, um, do you have so, a national curriculum? Sorry to cut you off. I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. No, that's fine. Do, do you uh, have a national curriculum in the States? We do not. So, so you have state interpretations of curriculum? Yeah. So it would be a state interpretation of the Common Core. Um, and so, for example, I live in California. There's the Calif California Common Core standards. Um, and we've taken, we, I mean, we take the national standards, but... Um, because we have such diverse communities, um, there are a couple of things that we've tweaked to yeah. address like language needs, um, yeah. listening and speaking, um, and those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really interesting. And, and, and how's that, how's that working for um, <laughs> everybody over there? Um, it's working. Okay. <laughs> it's working. Okay. How's that for a very broad, non-specific question? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's working okay. I think, I mean, we're 10 years in and it still feels like we're not where we should be in terms of common core implementation. Um, yeah. We're in a better place every year. Obviously we're in a better place, but because like, I, keep, I feel like I keep on going back to this, but um, people's personal experiences have such a huge impact on what they believe and know about student teach or what they what they believe about teaching and learning in the classroom and so if you if you grew up in um, you know if you grew up learning a different set of standards um, under pressure and stress you kind of go you kind of default back to those beliefs even if you've been asked to teach um, a different set of expectations or you've been asked to move your students in a different direction yeah. um, and so i think that 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 right there happens a lot for new teachers is they're they're stressed out and so they just kind of lean back on like what they what they believe what, what are they yeah. what, what are their perceptions around teaching and learning and then so then we're kind of we're we're kind of backtracking yeah. Um, and that in, in those instances. So, look, I think that there's, there, there seems from our conversation uh, definitely a lot of similarities um, between our system and yours. I think there's a lot yeah. of, kind of common common challenges. But what what advice uh, would you give someone that is um, enrolled or thinking of uh, enrolling in a teacher education program in your context or in the states? Um, I think. Oh, there's so much advice I've given over the years. Like, what would I say? I would say, I mean, a hundred percent go for it. Oh my gosh. Teaching is so best special. Yeah. What's that? The best job in the world. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down. Best job in the world. I mean, yeah. I mean, even now that I'm in like teacher education leadership, um, like I still am a, like I cannot separate that from who I am. I am a teacher first, like hands down. Um, and I'm not even in the classroom anymore. I still just hold that identity so close. And um, it is really hard. Um, and I think it's so easy to, the thing about teaching, um, and my mind is, there's so many things I could say here, but um, I think one of the things that I wish someone had told me is that it's so easy to see where your lesson went wrong. It's so easy to, um, to be critical of what you're doing or what you're not doing for your students. Because when something goes wrong in a lesson, it can just throw everything off. You know what I mean? And it was one poor decision that everything just is <laughs> like a shambles, right? Um, but you really that week and you, just, you had that this week, yes. And it's <laughs> the first lesson throws you off for the rest of the day and, and it's probably not that bad, but you're so hard not particularly hard on myself but it's yeah it's, yes it's so easy to get down on that because now you're dealing with this issue when that one lesson supported so many decisions and so many yeah. of the decisions were the right decisions yeah um and so i th i think um for me that it's like okay what are what, are, what did you do right and that's an exercise i always or I try to lead the new teachers that I interact with, in, you know, in my coursework and in the courses. Okay, what did you do right today? Like, write about that. Like, what are the things you did right? It's really important. Um, yeah, because there's that one thing you did wrong, but that was only one thing. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. We're, we're human. It happens. That's it's right. Just, do, you, uh, do you think that the role of uh, the teacher is changing? Um, would you... Um, 
the training that you received um, as a recent teaching graduate um, or as a teaching student, do you think that would serve you in today's context? Um, or what would, you, what would you change or add? I think that te teaching is changing because, um, you know, it's so, it's so research-based now. Like, not only are you expected to know the common, like, the standards and, like, the expectations for your grade level, but you're also, um, I mean, professional development, all the professional development that I've been a part of is also about sharing um, and, and being up-to-date on current research. Like, you have to be, it's almost like research is a part of that role now and um, being a scholar and being up to, the, you know, the most recent trends. Yeah. Um, and those, I mean, those trends do kind of circle back and spiral through, but just the idea that when you sit down in professional development, you're probably going to be reading an article. You're probably going to be talking about um, a, rec a recent study or um, trying to think about things a little bit differently that was based on, um, you know, research. And I think that's the biggest difference that I see. Um, and that teachers are expected to be, um, you know, good writers and um, I'm sorry, not good writers. They're expected to know, be, to know about research-based yeah. um, strategies. Yeah. Um, and that's what I find to be really challenging for the, like, I think the single most challenging thing about this whole 10 year change with the common cores, the expectations around writing um, because writing isn't a skill that comes easily and you have to have kind of, in order to be a good writing teacher, you almost have to have that as part of your identity. Yeah. And unless you had like a writing intensive course in your college preparation, you don't usually bring that. Um, and, you know, our students, at least in the United States, are being asked to write, you know, papers with a thesis statement and supporting ideas and transitions and all that stuff. And if you're not comfortable with that, you have a harder time um, bringing yeah. that to your classroom. So yeah. that's kind Good. of the two things I would say. Yeah, really interesting. Speaking of uh, speaking of transitions, did you find the transition from um, leaving teaching to research a challenging one? Um, and do you miss do you miss that daily interaction with kids? Oh, hundred percent. I miss it. Yeah, mm. I miss going to a school and smelling the school smell. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know. Yeah, I. And I'm I, not talking about a stinky. I'm not talking about stinky kids. I'm just talking about like. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like a combination of books and sharpened pencils or something. like Old books. Uh, yeah, like I don't know if you think I'm really saying that. But yeah, no, I get it. I, yeah, I completely understand. Like that, I, I just, in the energy and the um, enthusiasm yeah. and um, the, I guess, the intensity in some ways, I totally miss it. Um, and when I left the, when I left, um, the classroom. Oh my gosh. I just felt like I, like, I don't know. I, I felt like I needed to do it because I had my doctorate and I wanted to do right by the sacrifices that my family had put, you know, were part of to make that happen. Yeah. Um, and I did want to work. I, I wanted to work with new teachers. I wanted to put more energy energy into that. Um, so, I mean, I knew I was moving in the right direction, but it was hard. Yeah. yeah. That's a big decision. Yeah. Do you, um, I mean, how, how do you make sure, you talk a little bit about staying relevant in your profession, um, how do you make sure you keep a foot in each of those camps, so making sure oh, that, yeah. that you know what teachers are going through, that you understand the complexity of schools, but yet you are still obviously someone who's so research-backed. So how do, you, how do you manage that tension and how do you think you um, will continue to manage that? Um, that's a great question. I think, um, cause it is a challenge and it's something that I'm really aware of. I think, um, having things like my Instagram account mm -hmm. helps me stay grounded in what's important and, um, what, yeah. you know, teachers are passionate about. Mm -hmm. Um, I think being a supervisor, a student teacher supervisor helps me, um, cause I'm interacting with new teachers. Yeah. Um, I think, um, continually to develop kind of curriculum that's with new teachers in mind um, yeah. helps me stay grounded. Um, so being a faculty member teaching courses, I really hope I, that's never 
um, yeah. kind of taken away from me because that helps me stay focused on yeah. what's important and um, that's great. what the teachers are going through. Yeah. Yeah. So how then do we, I mean, how then do we begin to, um, begin to train teachers for this world that they're embarking in. And I know what we have seen um, in Australia is just how quickly um, teachers have had to pivot and, and really rethink their strategies, especially uh, during COVID. Um, but how, uh, how do we begin to help to teach teachers, to oh, prepare teachers, sorry, for, for a future that in many ways is, is uncertain and increasingly complex? I'd say there's three things. Um, I'd say, um, and my lens is teacher education because that's where I am right now, but mm -hmm. I would say that one of the issues with teacher education is that we are so hyper-focused on getting them credentialed that we don't think past their graduate degree. We don't think past, um, you know, getting them past that milestone. And I think that's a real detriment because we have to begin to work in partnership with our districts and communities because what are we doing if our teachers don't stay in the profession? Like, mm -hmm. what is it? What, what is point? it? Exactly. Yeah. Like, why are we doing this? Yeah. You know? Um, and so I think we really need to begin to think about that in a more of a trajectory, a long-term trajectory. And there are a couple of instances where I can point to that, where we are doing that, but we are, we're falling short in a lot of instances. And you, that article or that um, study that you shared with me talks about that um, in Australia and how, um, um, anyway, so it's, it's an international issue. There are two things I would say is, um, from the teacher education standpoint is we don't give our teachers enough time to reflect on their purpose and their identity. Purpose and identity are huge. It's, um, you know, finding different ways um, and, um, you know, um, I'm sorry, coursework, an entire class should be devoted to this uh, because teacher purpose is really important. Why am I here? Why am I choosing this profession? Um, because I think that if you can answer that question with something that is is um, is resounding and resonates for you, then the little issues and the struggles that you have along the way are going to be um, kind of minuscule um, mm. in contrast to that. So, for example, you know, I got into teaching because I wanted to join a social movement. Yeah. You know, I mean, there I wanted to teach kids how to read because if you can teach them how to read, they can do anything i mean mm. that was the one skill that if i could give them um that literally was the most important thing <laughs> that happened in my classroom right so um so that was my purpose so yeah i had struggles every day you know yeah i had kids under tables throwing tantrums i had um you know sometimes students calling me bad names but yeah the most important thing that happened in my classroom was teaching them how to read and i do i'm doing this because of social inequity and that's bigger than me and that's still a problem. So I'm sorry you're under the table right now, but we're moving forward. Um, so it's those kind of things like where, you know, I, I always ask, it's always one of my questions I ask teachers is like, why, why did you pick teaching? And whenever they say something like, you know, I, I really like kids, um, you know, I, I, I like that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that what about the days when you don't like them? <laughs> what about the days when they're pushing your buttons and um, yeah. they're challenging you because there's going to be those days. Yeah. And, and what about that? And, um, you know, I think that going in, I mean, even if, you know, even if you go in and you, you know, that's the reason why you've always had an affinity for affinity for kids and, you know, they've always gravitated towards you or, you know, you've always had a good relationship with them. Um, and, you know, even if that's your purpose, you know, knowing that, okay, this is where I am. This is why I'm here. And this is knowing, this is, these are my limits. This is kind of like the, the, um, the circle that I operate within knowing that will serve them in the profession. Um, and then, you know, the second is identity. I think teacher identity is something that's totally under developed in teacher education. And I think that knowing who you are, um, knowing what you're willing to give, knowing what your boundaries are, um, knowing the perspective, the biases, the, um, the experiences that you bring to the profession um, will help you be a better teacher um, right. and kind of 
it's like a it's like a veil that I think teachers new teachers wear as they as they come into the classroom and then it, it's this filter that everything happens through so it's important to know where you stand in that and yeah. who you are so. that's so important I know I feel personally over the last three years just really revisiting my why because I, it's mm. it, it, it's really challenging you know and, and I, I loved what you said about what happens when you don't like kids or that one day that you decided you know what and and look, to be perfectly transparent we all have those days we have those yeah. days that we question what on earth are we doing um yes. you don't do it for the money yeah. you don't do it for the holidays and I think for me one of the things I found particularly challenging is that in the morning at 6 30 on a Australia is not cold, but it's becoming cold for us in winter. Oh, yeah. um, at six thirty in the morning, you kiss your own kids goodbye, and then you go and you drive an hour and educate kids in some cases that um, that don't want to be in your class. Like it's really difficult. It's really hard. And I think just um, capturing those moments and, and talking about why we're why we're grateful for what we're doing and and the privilege that we have as teachers. But I think just really understanding why you're in the job is is super important because that gets you through those days that you just you know you, there's definitely there's days that you just don't want to go because it's hard um and people um i don't think people really understand i think there's a perception of what teachers do and the the job that they they play but i just think people people maybe don't understand the complexity non-teachers don't understand just how much um, no you're trying to deal with and i think yeah. um especially in in new teacher training having something around resilience and and, and not just mental toughness because it's not about sweeping it under the rug but actually getting mm -hmm. to like why are you doing this because you will have to answer this question and revisit this statement multiple like times. over yes sometimes every day um, yes. because it's 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 really difficult and on one hand it is the most the wonderful profession in the world and there's nothing that i would do other than that, but it, it's it's hard. It's really hard. What issues in your research are you are you trying to solve? You talked a little bit about it, and and what um, what would you like to be remembered for in terms of your contribution to education? Another big oh, yeah. question, fraud question. Sorry. I think my research around purpose and identity. Yeah. That's what I really want to focus on. Um, you know, I started research. You know, efficacy is huge. Efficacy plays yeah. a huge role, and I just fell in love with that construct. I mean, construct. I literally apply it to everything. Um, um, but I think identity and purpose, um, if, in, for, in terms of like teacher education, um, that would have the biggest impact. And I think it's from what I've from what I've seen so far, it's it's kind of not. There's not a lot of research on it. There's not a lot of research out there. No. on it which i think it's just baffling to me but um so i'm hoping to add to that body of research i'm hoping in my humble way yeah um to do that so it it does surprise me just how little i know especially in the australian context how little research there is uh, on that for us um there's just no not that I can find, and if someone is listening and knows research, please send it to me, um, and I will forward it to you. Um, but there, there really isn't. There's a discussion maybe about the the attrition rates of teaching, but it, it feels like it sort of ends there. Like there's no um, discussion, at least that I can find, about how do we build that self-efficacy in educators. How do we make sure that we are um, building. Uh, educators or empowering educators to be to have a sustained impact on their career um mm -hmm. and on, on sorry have a sustained impact in their career and on children i think much more needs to be done so that's why i've uh, definitely been drawn to your research i think it's fascinating and i think um uh, what you're doing is um really incredible so please keep doing it and keep answering keep asking those questions because um i know that there are um so many teachers in australia and around the world that every single day go and step in front of their classroom and wonder if it's an issue with them and there's a reason why oh, yeah. they feel ill-equipped or people i think there's definitely a um a silent um crisis on the horizon and i think to to get to be a part of that discussion the work that you're doing i think is is really really important so thank you for that from my point of view um no well, you're welcome that yes thank you no it's encouraging to hear that it's encouraging yeah. to hear that yeah well look i i, I want to make sure that i um am 
respectful of your time. I know it's Saturday morning uh, right. where you are. Um, but just a, a couple of questions to finish up. Uh, where can we find more about you? So where can the... Um, I'm most present on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so Dr. Michelle underscore coaches. Um, that's the social media site that I usually interact the most with. Yeah. Um, so you can follow me there. Fantastic. Um, Great. I will uh, put all of those links in the show notes. And final question, uh, who do you think would be a great guest on the podcast? Who is someone that you would really like to hear from? You mentioned Richard uh, Ingersoll. Yeah, Richard Ingersoll. Uh, oh, my gosh, he would be amazing. Um, to be honest, you've already got a great um, cast of people, um, Matthew, that have been on here. Super interesting. Um. I'll have to. Get, I might have to get back to you on that one. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll see if um, I'll reach out to Richard and say that you asked me to see if I can get. Him. We'll see <laughs> yeah. if can do. That would be. Uh, I'm not particularly familiar with his work, but I will. Uh, you've given me a list of. Things. Oh, he's like the well in the United States. He's like the godfather on like teacher attrition rates and turnover, and he's every every research study that's ever focused on that quotes his work. So. Fantastic. It's kind of like Hattie in some ways, I think. Yeah, great. Well, uh, look, um, Heather, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I really do uh, appreciate you allowing me to interrupt your Saturday. Oh, uh, you're welcome. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, a huge fan of your work. So uh, I can't wait to hear more um, about your research. and Hopefully we can do a round two at some point. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Art of Teaching podcast. I hope that you, like me, got some valuable insights out of our discussions today. For show notes, please visit theartofteachingpodcast.com and please remember to subscribe for future episodes. If you could also let me know your thoughts of our discussions, please rate and review the episode on iTunes and share the resource with anyone that you think would find it useful. Thank you for listening. Until next time.